Hello and welcome to the Four Color Nerds Comics Podcast, episode number 27. I'm Christina and I'm joined by the other nerds, Ryan. Hello. Carissa. Hello. Together we take on this week's comics. Each week we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now, go read your week's books, and then come on back. Each week one of us picks our favorite book of the week. That's our pick of the week. This week I am that nerd. This week the pick, the pick of the week goes to Rough Riders issue number one. Our companion song for tonight is Rough Riders by DMX because it's awesome and Teddy is a badass. Sub no. Stop. Drop. Shut him down. Open up shop. Oh. Rough Riders, issue number one by Aftershock Comics, uh, written by Adam Glass. Artist is Pat Leaf. I have been anticipating this book. Like, I have been waiting for this book since I saw it in one of the other Aftershock comics, probably Insects. I'm a huge fan of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and this is pretty much the League of Extraordinary Non-Literary Characters is what I've come up with. Mm -hmm. I kind of almost wish that the cover, they hadn't put all the characters on it. I kind of felt that, like, that was a spoiler in itself. I kind of would have liked to have figured out all the characters, like, in the next... Yeah, these are the historical ones, and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is literary ones. Yeah, I, that would have been. I, I really wish somebody would have suggested that because we only get to meet three of the characters in this in this issue. So I kind of would have almost liked to slowly figured out who every everybody was. Like have them like blacked out on the cover. Going by the the cover, who are all of the the Rough Riders? So we have Mr. Eastman, which I'm not exactly sure. Is that supposed to be Eastman Kodak? I think that's Eastman Kodak. Yeah. We have Houdini, we have Tonims Edison, we have Jack Johnson, and we have Annie Oakley. So far, I mean, who knows if there's going to be more, but... Okay, I just want to make sure I got all six. I'm all through. And the only ones that do actually get revealed in this uh, issue are um, Teddy Roosevelt and Jack Johnson. Freaking badass. Like, we see him, he's, like, rescuing people. He's got, like, steampunk shit, which was, like, super awesome. It was, like... This is super cool. Uh, he was a military guy. He was cavalry. He was a he was a huntsman. He was all these things, and they even kind of men- mention the people who are because he's he's being asked to recruit a team to go to Cuba. There's there's a war that's going to be happening, and he's going to recruit this team to go over there fight. And they mention like he all he does all these things, and then we all know there's something else that you do, but they don't allude to anything exactly. But obviously, they know what he capable of special magical uh weaponry is what it looks like we've made some steampunk shit we get to meet jack johnson who's a fighter and he and then you know at the end the reveal of houdini is uh is the last you know the last person we get to see in this issue i i love it i absolutely love this book i can't wait to see what comes out next uh annie oakley is the annie you'll get your gun musical chick i do like all their steampunk uh weapons and like airships that they have i want to see what houdini busts out with like what, because he obviously has something, but he's not showing anything. And we know, I mean, Jack is a fighter, so obviously it's... I'm guessing that his his illusions and magic are going to turn out to be real, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I, I mean, I love it. It's, it's a group of people who get together from all different places and have all sorts of different abilities and go create super, super team. All the Chuck Norris memes, that's Teddy Roosevelt, <laughs> you know? He's pretty badass. Even without adding in anything to him, he's, yeah. he's super cool. 
he's badass on his own, and then he's got all sorts of steampunky stuff, which is, I think is a nice, nice, fun touch to this too. There are lots of cool little details. Like I like there's a scene with uh, Jack Johnson after the the fight where he's pulling the teeth out of his glove of the other guy. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Nice little detail. No, I really liked it. I was surprised. Like I kept on, I actually didn't hear about it. And then I remember you guys making like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I'm like, what book is that going to be like? And then once I, once I got to it, I'm like, oh, they were referring to. No, I like it. I mean, I like how they pulled in the steampunk. I think it was a really creative idea. And I think it's one, well, it's executed well. And you know, sometimes there's ones that are like in concept sound cool, but they're not really executed well. So I thought this one did a really good job. And bonus that I like the art, the artwork was really good because sometimes some of the other run comics don't necessarily my favorite I, I like with the the artwork how they vary the angle of the camera like sometimes you're looking up at people sometimes you're looking yeah. down at them there's like long shots close-up shots yeah. like they keep it you know visually interesting yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of movement like the fight in the fight scenes you can see the movement you can tell where the characters are going it's- i like the uh, scene with teddy roosevelt where he's in the you know the shower and like all the blood's running off of yeah. him from the the fight and then you see his back all scarred up Kind of reminds me of Batman, yeah. is really what the sense that I get from him. But the back scarred of assault, but that's the part where he's talking about how his dad said he needed to toughen up. So I'm like, are they insinuating that his dad gave him like all those, like, and gave him the, the SWAT and whatever? Could be. It's, I think it's either that switch? or maybe like wild animals <laughs> no, when he was like hunting them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he hunted big game. I mean, that was like one of his things. I like it because I think there's, like you were saying, Carissa, there's a lot of like possibility. I don't know where the story's going to go. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested in it. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see more. I hope this one is uh, one they come out with at least every couple of weeks to keep it going. And I hope it's easier to find than insects. Now, Aftershock now has everything coming out digital. Like, obviously, that was a huge, a huge issue for them in the beginning where they nothing was digital. They had no contract with anybody. Yeah. It was yeah. more. It, yeah, it was like a couple months. Because I don't think you guys could see insects until like the third issue. I have to say for Aftershock, I mean, there are some really good, interesting book. They're doing they're doing really good. Like for a new small indie label, they've had some good solid books out. And there's some yeah. ones coming out. The Black Eyed Kids is coming out soon. That looks creepy and weird. Yeah. The Jackpot by Ray Fox. Oh, that's that the one where they're ripping off God or conning yeah, God or I something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's the other one that I'm really interested in, too. And that one, I think, comes out really soon. This kind of reminds me of an even more indie version of Image in a lot of ways. Exactly. These are all, you know, creator-driven yeah. stories. So I think you can sense kind of the, their passion with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I've been pretty happy with the introduction of Aftershock. I think they're a good addition to the mix. Yeah. I'm guessing most people haven't actually picked up an Aftershock comic and read it. It's worth it. Absolutely. I like, I like seeing those smaller houses coming into their own. Yeah. Especially, the, I mean, the, they've been putting out books consistently, like weekly. So at this point now, so they're they're coming into their own which is cool. Yeah, and they're they're varied. If you want, like, historical dramas, if you want crazy Victorian, you know, sex adventures, if you want superheroes. I mean, it's not just like, oh, we do Western comics or we do, uh, you know, steampunk comics. They do a wide variety of types of comics. I love this one. I, I can't, I don't know, I don't know if I can ever give anyone a five, but I will give them a four and a quarter uh, steampunk guns. I give it four um, goggles. <laughs> I give it four. Annie, get your gun. And moving on to another book, another issue one. Yeah, I had Empress number one by Icon. Mark Millar was the writer, and Stuart Imowin was the artist. I just was interested by the cover. I didn't really know much about it going in. So, stories like they say it takes place 
like before humans. So there's like dinosaurs going on, but it looks futuristic. It's like it's like a bunch of like like the time before time before time kind of thing. And it opens up in like the kind of like this gladiatorial pit, and there's like three people who are like in hoodies and they look like like lower class and they're four like this big red like emperor thanos looking guy like a thanos and the vision were like mushed into one i got that as well yep especially the chin very much the chin and so um he's basically saying how like they're these people are being punished because they didn't stand up to people who were bad who did something wrong or they didn't well they they did turn them in but they didn't kill them with their bare hands and the thing was that they're only kind of like bad mouthing like the emperor or something it wasn't even like that serious of a crime and so it, was, it seemed really ridiculous is basically what it was and then it and so basically he says you can either fight me or you can fight the beast and the beast is a dinosaur obviously when i saw that that was i was so happy to see a guy with a laser gun riding a dinosaur that was so sweet. Awesome. And so of course they, they choose a dinosaur and you know, horrible death ensues. Which this blood splatter yeah. on all of the people who are watching this event. It reminds me when you're like at a show at like SeaWorld or something and like the water splashes on you. They're in the splash zone. Well there's like the those plays when they do the Army of Darkness, the musical, the first few rows of the play in the playhouse <laughs> is the splash zone and people leave their covered in fake blood. Then it flashes to well, the main character, the Empress. And she is, like, hurriedly getting undressed by, like, her handmaidens while talking to, like, her, like, I don't know, her royal protector, I guess, right? Dashing silver fox man. She's basically saying how, you know, she can't stay here. It's not good for her children. Like, they'll raise by this tyrant. They're going to, you know, be swayed and turned by him. They have, you know, like, they're all in a rush. They only have so much time before, you know, they're noticed and found out. The teenager starts arguing with her. Oh, it's my dad. I can stay. And they make their daring escape. And and part of it was, like, they have her, like, in some sort of, like, engineer costume. He's like, well, you're not supposed to be anywhere away from the Empress. And then he, you know, starts fighting. He goes, I'm not. Because, you know, she's there in disguise. Anyways, so they steal a ship. They leave. He finds out. They're all, like, wanted, you know, all over the place. And there's, like, a huge behemoth, like, monolith of a ship say you know we can we don't let anyone leave the planet without the you know the king's say and so they act like they're going to get captured and then they they kind of pull when star lord in the movie like like i need to borrow your ride and goes in and like maneuvers the ship but with the ship so they kind of like shoot their way into like the main cockpit area and tell them to jump to warp speed or hyperspeed or whatever they call it in this one. I forget what they call it. Or engage the warp drive. Engage the warp drive. They, and then they make their escape and get away. And so, and, they ha- and then she has all her kids. So basically she, and it does a little flashback to like where she met him with like some, she was like, she was a waitress in a cocktail bar. That much is true. <laughs> She's saying that she was just covering for a friend. He's like, well, no, I'm going to take you back and you're going to be my queen. But there's like a stipulation where I don't want to know anything about you from before this this moment basically and so then she makes a point when like oh where are we going we're going to my sister's because it's a name he doesn't know they're on their adventure heading to her sister's i liked it i was surprised i was really impressed with the artwork i did enjoy it i'm kind of curious i mean i like general space romps so i'll probably try keep reading it plus i i tend to like uh, mark millar Stuart eminen was on um star wars for a while uh and then he he left i don't know if he left to do this or if this is just something else he's done but he can draw spaceships really really well and dinosaurs really well apparently i like that juxtaposition of the two. Oh yeah my my notes on this were mad max Mm -hmm. tied around and looped around with Guardians of the Galaxy. Reminds me of Flash Gordon and... 
Oh yeah, a little bit of that too. Yeah, it was a good run. Yeah, it was fun. Good space. Yeah. I, I I picked it too, but I thought it was like I was like it, it was because of the cover and because of Mark. Yeah, so I'm gonna give it. I give it a good three and a half. What Thanos looking chins? Would you give it, Christina? I'll give it a three and a half. Um, bloody Rose. I will give it three and a half dinosaurs with laser guns, freaking laser beams. Yeah. So I had a, a book from Marvel. I had Black Panther number one, written by Ta-Nehisi Coates and art by Brian uh, Steelfreeze. So I've been actually looking forward to this for a long time. Like as soon as they announced that they were redoing Black Panther and that uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates was going to be writing it. He's not a comic book writer, but he's written, he writes a lot of political stuff. He writes yep. for, I think it's The Atlantic. So he's, he's a very skilled writer that I, I think is a very good choice for the, the book. But I think because he's not an experienced comic book writer, some of that shows in the the story. I still think overall it's it's going to get significantly better. But I felt like there were a lot of times where I was, there was, I was kind lot, of lost with the, the story. There was a lot crammed like, in. There was a lot book. going on. Like it didn't it didn't feel like an issue number one. There should have been a slow roll into what what we got into. I, I did find that confusing. I was like, whoa, I need to go back a couple pages because I think I missed something. And I might have it. Like I might issue three or something of a, of a series, you know? I agree. Yeah, so I mean, this, this basic story is Wakanda is experiencing all kinds of strife. They've had a war with, um, with Thanos. They've had natural disasters. They've had their queen, who had become Black Panther for a while, was, like, was killed, I guess. So now T'Challa is, is back as the king, but his people are not, are not happy with him. There's someone who can, I think, either manipulate or like inspire emotions who's kind of whipping up these uh, these revolts against people. But it seems like even without that revolt, that there's lots of dissatisfaction in the, the kingdom. I think this one really talks a lot about kind of like the burdens of leadership and what it what it means to be a leader. Like there's times where T'Challa is like, well, I'm going to go off and punch him in the face is basically his, you know, solution. I'm going to go investigate what's going on, then I'm going to punch it until it stops. And she's like, well, you're not a soldier or a superhero. You know, you're a king. You need to do, you know, you need to be a leader for your people. So these aren't problems that he can just solve with his, his superpowers. I like the artwork in this one. It seems... It doesn't look like anything I've, I've seen before because it's not a lot of its imagery. You know, it's taking from a lot of different sources. Like they talk in the back about that, that they're, you know, drawing from Egyptian stuff from like sub-Saharan like rebels. And like there's there's all kinds of um, of images that they're using that you don't normally see, which is kind of cool. The artwork is clean and great. I just like you were saying, I just was so confused. Like it was just like, so, I'm overwhelmed by too much. I was like, yeah, I thought the art was really good. I try to read something fast. I'm like I can't read this fast. There's just so much going on. I loved the artwork and the, the basically the costumes in this are fantastic. I think there's like three or four basic plot lines that are going on. And each one of those plot lines could have been its own issue. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think the last, because there was, there was three. I think like the first and the last story kind of create one book, but that shouldn't be the first issue because that was the least amount of Black Panther. <laughs> so that, that could have been issue two. <laughs> one problem when you get non-comic like comic book writers writing comic books is it's not 
it's not a novel. You know, they, they tend to include basically too many words. Like, I didn't really feel like that was an issue so much here, but the amount of story that you could put into a single issue, that pacing, like, you could take out about half of this story, and I think it would have been better for it. There's a lot. I think there are too many things going on. But I think the the writer is good. Like, if you just read, like, the, the dialogue is good, the plot is good, it's very confusing because there's a lot going on, but I think that's only going to get stronger as time goes on, as he learns, like, the craft of what you can do in a comic. He's trying to lay the groundwork. He's just, it's a lot of groundwork, I think, is is the demon he's trying to battle here. There's a lot of groundwork that he's trying to roll out. And I'm sure we're going to go back and touch back into all of all of these things that were rolled out in the first book. But, yeah, it was it was a lot. It was a doozy. To, to really appreciate this issue, you need to have been reading Black Panther for a while. Like this is this goes deep into Black Panther. Like it doesn't introduce you to him. It's you're you're in the middle of it. And I was hoping this would introduce it because I'm not familiar with the character, but I'm still really looking forward to it. And I still I still did enjoy it. It just was it's very confusing. I'm gonna have to need to do a lot of googling. Mm-hmm. I like books that are written by people who are smart and think about what they're doing. And this book is very very smart. So there's also there's panels where the people are just like in in profile. And those are really strong art-wise, where they're just, they're completely like blacked out and there's like flames behind them, but they're like tattoos or cy- they're cybernetic tattoos you can see. Very good. Those are really pretty. Those are those are great. Beings. T'Challa is, I, I think he's trying to resurrect his uh, his dead sister who used to be the Black Panther. So it keeps, it's, it reminds me a lot of like the Lazarus pit that he's at, where he's basically trying to bring her, bring her back, but it keeps saying um, resurrection failure. And I do like... That's also where you can see kind of like the camera of the story moving around. Like you're looking at it from the opposite side of that message. So it's it's backwards, you know? I think the art on here is is exceptional. It looks different than anything I've, I've really seen. It's action-packed. It's, it's beautiful. It has a unique design sense. I really like the art in it. The writing is, like I say, a little too confusing. Like there's, there's too much going on in here. I need to, need to dial that back a little bit. So, I mean, like I said, I've been waiting for it for a while and pretty excited for it. I mean, I'm still going to keep reading it, especially with the movie coming out. I feel like Black Panther is going to be playing a larger role in the Marvel universe. So yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And I also like, this seems to me like it's drawing a lot from like almost like ideas of like the Arab Spring and what's going on there. Like, because, you know, T'Challa is a king and what is, you know, democracy? Like they're trying to overthrow a monarch. So I feel kind of conflicted. I'm like, well, I don't like the idea of monarchy. Right. So whose side am I supposed to be sympathizing with? And like, there's a scene in the beginning where like the Wakandan military, like they're opening fire on a crowd of like unarmed protesters. Black Panther's not happy that that's happening, but it is happening. You know, like the people in Wakanda have legit complaints, you know? So it'll it'll be interesting to see the story. I agree. I will also continue reading. The art the art is great. Like if nothing else, the art is great. The story I'm sure the story will come together more, you know, as it moves forward, but yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot. And I got the Scotty Young cover and oh my god, Black Panther is playing with a ball of yarn. It's amazing. Of course you got the Scotty Young cover. Uh, I gave it three Midnight Angel prototypes. So I gave it three Vibranium ores. I will give it three kitty scratches because that's what's on the cover. And you can- this is finally not an issue one. We've we've uh we did three for three. Wicked in the Vine issue number eighteen by Image Comics, written by Karen Gillan and art by Jamie McKelvey. Did anybody else get totally blown away by the art in this one? I thought the art was really good. Holy I crap. feel like I missed an issue though. Maybe it's just been a while. So it's been a while. And this, they cut away from the story, this part of the story a little bit, because Persephone was 
killed by by Anki. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. But and then we kind of moved away from that story a little bit. But now it's coming back where she Persephone is alive, which didn't really totally get explained. Yeah. But she's still alive and basically out for revenge, which is kind of freaking awesome. I like when she comes back and she has the uh, the pomegranate that she's eating. Oh yeah, Persephone went down into hell. That is and a ate gr- the pomegranate. That was a great freaking. That was a great image. I mean, that was pretty. That was fantastic. I. I totally related this to um, Civil War, where it's like choosing sides. We have Anki and we have Woden on one side, where we find out that they're like the evil, the evil planners who have been get rid of everybody. So it's not just not just Anki, it's not just Anki; it's also Woden because it looks like he was building something to destroy Minerva. So they both of them have been planning to get rid of everybody slowly is what it looks like uh, yes i just feel like you've been kind of expecting that from the get-go because you knew eventually it was going to get whittled down to so many that if there is only so many that survive per what she says that they eventually are going to turn on each other i love minerva's little robot owl oh my god it's clash of the titan but now they figured it out that was the whole thing about this one is now they figured it out they're like okay we know what's going on you know we know you're getting rid of us the last panel though i'm confused the very last panel I think that's when Persephone goes down into hell and and marries Hades, like in the myths. And in this one, she's she's sleeping with um... Batmetep. Yeah, I was just like, so that's their like underworld. They kind of like overlap, like substitute one for the other. I guess. I know. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Though. I was like, oh, I was like, is she in trouble? Because <laughs> like, I like that look on their face. That like, <laughs> like I can't believe that just but... happened. I know. I was perfect. I was like, oh my god. I was like, his face is perfect. He's like, oh, it was like an oh shit. Like, oh god. And she's like, whatever. She looks very, you know, like, eh, whatever. But yeah, this was probably a bad idea. Yeah, I I liked it. The art was amazing on this. Oh yeah. You get to see a lot of like gods fighting gods, which is pretty awesome. The Morgan, my favorite line. Now tis the sky cunt's turn to piss blood. I was like, sky cunt. I was like, god. (laughs) That's a new one. Save it for later. Don't have to add that to the repertoire. I was like, I like that. I was like, I gotta save that one. I also like where, uh, is it Sekhmet, uh, is fighting and she like lands on the person like a cat. Like plunks right on her exactly like a cat, you know, on all four. Yeah. And maybe it's because they're all fighting and in, in their like war mode, but they all look so badass in this one. Like none of them are fucking around anymore. No, they're angry. They're fucking pissed off. I like Persephone's powers seem to be, they're organic based. I mean, it looks planty but not planty yeah she's i mean she's the goddess of spring and like the daughter of demeter so she's all nature based but then death you know they look like plants but not plants evil underworld plants okay the way that jamie mckelvey just kind of like lays out these panels and frames them like it's great craft it really really is there's not a panel where something is not going on oh and the lineup of the valkyries that was one i love the lineup of all of them it's like tron with like lightsabers yeah i could have done with more of that I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, I thought this was a great, I mean, I I know they're saying this is a new story arc, but I don't think that you would know anything that's going on if you started here. Yeah. So, I mean. I think you would be lost if you started here. Totally lost. I think you would be lost and then want to go back and read all of it and figure out what the hell just happened. That's very possible because this is a great issue. (laughs) I couldn't imagine starting. It's not like a relaunch. It's just, it's a new, it's a new phase of the story, you know? Yeah, exactly great phase of the story it's a good fighting book we haven't seen a lot of hand-to-hand it got taken up to 11 yeah yeah where she's using all her plant stuff to like suck people down into hell yeah stuff's getting crazy 
it's getting real. I also like, I mean, we've talked about it before about like the music in the book. Like when she has her concert, you know, that she's doing. Oh, yeah. Where she like counts out the murder, like one, two, three, four, and then starts just. The black panel with the tentacles, like the Persephone's in hell. Like, is that, I assume that is what she's like, she's singing something that's, I would assume that's what that's doing. It's an evoking, pulling people into hell. That that black panel with all the individual pictures of the people, with the tentacles. I assume that's what she's what she's doing i have no idea but it seems like that i think that's what they're trying to evoke is like that's she's singing that and these people are having all of these weird feelings and pulling them into hell with her creepy tentacle thing creepy plant tentacles the action on this just really kicked it up this one this was a it was a hard call between this one and and rough riders for my number my number one pick because i thought they were both both really great i will give this one four awesome plant tentacles would you give it carissa for uh, robot apples, because I was always a fan of um, little sidekicks like that. I will give it four pomegranate seeds. And we have back to another number one. I chose Baltimore Empty Graves number one by Dark Horse Comics. Mike Mignola and Christopher Golden. Though it says it's a number one in the issue, they reference go back to blah number three. Like there's a different yeah. Baltimore so- series. You know, you know how Hellboy has, you know, Hellboy and like the Golden Army or yeah. Hellboy and, you know, Beyond the Fence is number one. Yeah. That's how Baltimore is. It's written by the same person. So it's the same. This is part one of a new Baltimore okay. story. Yeah. So that's where I was a little confused. I'm like, oh, I'll try another number one. Oh, totally not. <laughs> I still think, though, I mean, you still, I don't think you need to have read the other ones to, to get yeah. what's going on here. Yeah, so basically they lost someone and they got taken by the Blood Red Witch and it was someone on their team and Baltimore's really upset about it, I guess. And so they're they're back at something, they're digging graves, talking and they want to like have them set right and it's like a whole new team, like some know each other, some of them don't know each other and the other like doing things so some of them get like they get wooden grave markers and they're just like talking shooting the breeze and then they start telling stories you know for a while they were talking about what happened but then they start telling stories and um one of them was like they reference oh your story was really good and then they say check out you know this part you know the back issues um but the one that happened was of the guy who looks like i want to say like johnny quest or like little orphan annie back all those adventure stories from the, the that time period you know what I'm talking about? Always had like yeah. the Indian guy, like the big beefy Indian story. So he's a guy. badass. Yeah, he was a badass. So yeah. they, they have one of those. <laughs> and he's telling his story. And I'm, uh, this is what stands out in this issue to me the most was they're like, they're, they're investigating. They come upon a village and all there is is children and everything else is like desiccated dead bodies. And they think, oh my God, it's the plague, which they mentioned the plague back where they're at also because they're saying like, plague died off and cities were just starting to reopen and everything like that yeah anyway, so- one of the old uh, baltimore stories was baltimore the plague ships so the yeah. plague has been like a big part of of the story story yeah so they're looking at they're like oh but these bodies don't look plague ridden they just look dead or starving or like they've been eaten or something like that depending on where they are the ones so they're inside investigating a hut and they're all talking about how well, it's too far to drag these children through the desert. Maybe some of us stay here and the rest of us go back and we'll get transport. And some of them are looking inside of a hut while the others are out, you know, in the village of the children. And they're like, oh, look, this one has a bell on it. And then one of them remembers a story about how, like, 
Abel can keep away demons and stuff like that. And they're coming up with the story and other ones are like, no, no, you're just being too like superstitious. And other ones, you know, agree. And they're like going back and all of a sudden they hear like the sound and they run out there and like all the children are like these crazy demon, like they killed off all their other teammates and or squad or whatever you want to call them. And one of them is like, they're fighting them off with the bell. And basically that's how he tells the story. He survived. He had the bell and they're like surrounded. And I thought that was a really interesting story. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's, that's twisted. I thought that story was really good. It was super creepy. <laughs> I like seeing something supernatural. That's not from like Western Europe. Yeah. So that that's the part that stuck out with me the most. And but other than that, it was I felt like the rest of it was kind of slow, you know. But I feel like because I wasn't, I didn't really know the characters. So I was just trying to catch up. But that part was just like really just like in your mind. So I think it's interesting that they're telling the stories of how this new team is together. And I assume the next issue is going to be another one of their one of the individual story. Well, yeah, because they're they know they're going to probably die when they go after the. Was it the Red Witch or the Red... The Red something. They know they're probably going to die, and they're talking about how, you know, whichever one of them makes that alive, they're going to have to remember them, so they want everyone to know who they are. So I think this is probably going to be, yeah, each issue will introduce, like, a new character. Yeah. I, I really liked it. I thought it had a lot of... It did a lot of different tones really well. You know, you had, like, that kind of campfire tone, then you had the really awesome story. You had that kind of, like, this is not exactly the end of the world, but, like, we're going to die. Yeah, Not everyone who's here will be here tomorrow. Kind of feeling. Yeah, very you know? gritty, gritty. I, I really liked it. I mean, I've read. Uh, I read Baltimore um, when they had the stuff with the the vampires before, mm-hmm. and I wasn't. I didn't like it that much. I liked this one way more than than that. So maybe as the series has gone on, it's gotten better. I mean, that was a few years ago, so yeah. it was nice to go back and, and hang out with Lord Baltimore and his crazy friends. This also reminded me a lot of like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, yeah, as well, yeah. I can see that. Because like you were saying, you had the, you know, the badass, like, uh, Indian, uh, you know, Muslim guy. You've got a priest. You've got, you know, all these really interesting characters. Kind of hick, you know, girl. It doesn't seem like the nicest person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was but it was good. I gave it, um, like, like a good solid three uh, bells. Yeah, that the story, the creepy story with the kids, that, that was that's kind of terrifying because they're like we the whole premise of that is like they're like oh my gosh we have to save these kids oh we can't save these kids oh my god they're gonna kill us <laughs> yeah <laughs> like there's a part when like the person sees the you know the kid in the village of all the dead people yeah. and like picks him up like oh you poor thing and i'm like oh no 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 bad, very bad creepy children will kill you <laughs> do you not know what story <laughs> but, you're in but they didn't look creepy at first they looked they looked like starved poor children that was good. that was good though. Um, I will give it uh, three uh, headstones because they didn't get headstones and we got the crosses. I will give it three and a half abacus, which is the demon that's oh, yeah. haunting the. I had uh, another kind of creepy uh, book, also from Marvel. All my books are Marvel this week. The Vision Number Six, written by Tom King, uh, art by Gabrielle Hernandez Walta. The Vision. I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with uh, the Vision or not, but it's this kind of strange story of like this like Stepford suburban really disquieting sense of like what it means to be human. And they're, they're trying to, to fit in with the, the neighborhood, you know, the, the vision his he's based on uh, wonder man's like brain patterns. 
and Wonder Man's like, I remember it's a brother or a cousin or whatever who's like a supervillain came to them and like was basically trying to kill everyone. And the the mother had to kill him and like basically panicked and buried him in the backyard. So there's been this whole idea of like secrets that are coming to the the surface. And in this one, this little cute little dog like digs up the dead body oh, and wow. starts like tries to like bite it and like bites the the weapon and gets like shocked and like fried to death. I did not like that. Yeah. I don't like Well, I like I feel bad like they have their show little dog with like his whole face is like burned off and he's like there's like black smoke coming off of coming it. off of him. There's yeah. Back from that. <laughs> and he's not dead either cuz he's like hey, 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 you know. Yeah. I mean, he does die eventually. So you have this whole thing with the vision, you know, they they talk about in here, it's like a computer programming thing with, you know, problems that can be solved and problems that can't be solved. And how you tell, like, the difference between the two. Um, They call it, you know, uh, P versus NP, like solution versus no solution. And the vision in this one, he comes up against a problem where, where he starts to kind of questioning that there might be things, that there are, there are things that are solvable, we just haven't figured it out yet. So they're, we think they're NP problems, but they're really they're really solvable. And he kind of comes to the conclusion in like a moment of human realization that there are some things that are not solvable. And there's these really creepy scenes where he's in like the basement, like hacking, like dissecting this dog. Um, so he's like covered in like blood splatter and has like the whole like mad scientist vibe going on where he like gets the dog's brain and makes like a little vision dog out of it. Which is kind of creepy, you know? Yeah, but he made his his kids happy. Yes. Well, his kids are really traumatized and, and sad from all the, the violence they've seen and how they're being treated by people. So the dog, you know, it does it does make them happy. So he's he talks about how he's, like, you know, completing his family and he's going to do, you know, what he has to do to make them happy. And then the whole thing throughout this book is there's been a narrator and it's been kind of like a looking back on it, like, if I had known what would happen from this moment forward, you know, I would have done something different. So there's been like lots of characters looking back on it, like, like this great sense of tragedy that's happening in the book. And then you find out who the narrator uh, is. And I think it's um, the Scarlet Witch's uh, like ghost mentor lady, Abigail. Yeah. Um, And she, and she's basically got all of the Avengers um, assembled and she's telling them that the vision has decided that he's going to do whatever it takes to make his family happy. And then kind of like the problem with like all artificial intelligence and computers is they figure out that basically humans got to go. So she's telling them he's going to destroy the world. Now, whether that's true or not, you know, I don't know. Cause I mean, the vision still seems heroic to me, but he's, he might make that calculation. It's very interesting to me to see, you know, what he's going to do and what heroes are going to do um, about it. So I really liked this one. I think that this presents that kind of like moral quandary and, and the ideas of what it means to be human really, really well. And it's creepy in a, in a like clinical detached kind of way. It kind of was almost Twilighty Zone a little bit. It kind of reminds yes. me of like a weird Twilight Zone episode where he makes the dog. Yeah, I, I get that sense from it too, that... It's almost like listening to like a sociopath when he's when he's talking, you know, not 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 a psychopath, um, but his understanding of people is not not very good, <laughs> you know. Like he's still heroic, but he definitely is is not human. He wants to be, but he's not. But I think part of him is still. I mean, he 
he's not human, but he obviously cares for his family and wants to see them happy. So I think that that is kind of, I mean, obviously that's kind of what it comes down to. And that's probably why Angela brought, brought that up. It was like, well, he'll probably destroy everybody because he will keep his family. Make more of him. Like there's a, I think it's issue maybe one or no, it's probably issue two where the, the son is like, basically choking this this kid almost to like death yeah and he's like oh you know machines and humans aren't that different we all have off switches you know as he's like choking him out like they are they can be very creepy so I, I think it's easy to see why people are basically afraid of them and then why because people are afraid of them now they feel more threatened so it's like this self-fulfilling loop so i i really like it I, i'm really curious to see where this where this goes did you did you read it carissa yeah, I mean, this one felt different. This one, like I said, this one had the more Twilight Zone-y thing, and it was a little bit more disturbing, so it caught my interest. But in general, I haven't really been into the Vision comic that much. I mean, I kind of got through it. I like, It wasn't horrible, but I was kind of like, oh, I have to read this again. This one at least was a little bit more darker and seemed a little bit more like interesting in that regard. But still, wasn't really for me. Something just kind of like, mm, about it. I loved it. Uh, I would give it uh, four and a half dog brains. I liked it. I did not love it, but it it is it is good. The vision is still continuously good. It is it is creepy and cold. I don't. I can see this like this is not for everyone. Like no. Like I can tell. No. This is by the same no. person who writes Sheriff of Babylon. Oh well, that totally is, makes sense. Why Ryan likes it so much? Yes, he's also going to be taking over Batman. So Batman is going to get really dark, isn't it? Well, he so he used to belong to the CIA. He used to be part of like a counterterrorism, basically. And what he talks about is his job is he would have to stare like evil and madness in the face every day. And then, you know, come quitting time, you got to go home to the family and like, you know, put on a face and live this normal life. So he wants to explore and that he's doing with a vision too. explore how you confront and deal with madness and terror and, and death constantly, but still hold on to your like sanity. So I think that's going to be really interesting for, for Batman. Considering I like both the Vision and Sheriff of Babylon and... I, you're, you'll probably like Batman. <laughs> Plus Batman, yeah. <laughs> your wheelhouse. Definitely. Uh, I will give it three and a half bloody visions. That, was, that panel was great. The black panel with him. That was an awesome panel. Creepy as fuck. <laughs> I was going to give it two and three quarters. Guy buried in the yard. So in a, a galaxy far, far away... We have the Sultry Poe Dameron, issue number one, Marvel Comics. Oh, goddammit, Chris. Heliopolis. Charles Soleil, uh, writing, and Phil Noto as the artist, who is awesome. I love I love Phil. I love Phil's cover. So we, this is fun, because it's basically be- starts before uh, episode seven. Poe, uh, before he, he basically, he creates his, his team black, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Black team. Yeah. So we get to see all of the people who are involved in the black team. And it really does lead into um, uh, episode seven because he's going to find the guy that he ends up getting the piece of the map to find Luke Skywalker. And that's who he's actually sent to look for. Yeah, it leads up to that point where he's on Jakku. You know, his mission from from Leia to, you know, find find this guy, make his team. So we get to see his, his team, his crazy team of... Uh, Misfits there, and rogues, yeah. Yeah, so I recognize Snap Wexley, because that's the guy who was also in Heroes. Yeah, the bigger and, guy, right? Because there was a couple of Heroes yeah. people were, yeah, in there. Yeah, that guy. And then 
And that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was the only guy that I, I recognized. I don't, I don't know if that girl, there is one girl on his team. I don't know if that's the same girl, a different girl, but that I was expecting to see people I recognize, but obviously maybe some of these people don't make it. Or maybe someone is the one who betrayed Black Squadron. So he's going to find, uh, he's trying to find information about this guy. He finds that there's this planet that he's been on. There's some weird egg thing that I don't, I didn't understand why this had to be in the story. This to me was like, didn't make any sense. Why why are we caring about this egg? Does this egg really mean something? Or is this just, these were the people who were watching over this egg and that guy went to learn about the egg. Is there more to this egg? Am I missing something? I didn't understand the egg. Well, I think we'll find out when it hatches, you know? I hope so, because it seemed to have a lot paying off on this egg. And I didn't feel any, any payoff on that. But we get to see, of course, BB-8 being cute. Yes. That damn little mech is cute. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Adorable. I like when he, uh, you know, brings out his little, like, shocker little arm thing. And it's like, yeah. gonna fight them. He's feisty. <laughs> He's feisty. He's very feisty. So feisty. But yeah, I I mean it's fun. I, I guess it does tie in a little bit to obviously to Star Wars, but I don't. It was good. I don't know if it was great. I, I thought this really felt like Star Wars. Like it had that sense of I don't. know, It's hard to put your finger on it. Like some Star Wars stories feel right, and some don't. And this to me nailed the feeling that you want from Star Wars. It had Star Wars. I just I, I don't know. I didn't particularly care for the story. I liked getting some of the pieces to the puzzle, like the puzzle of Episode Seven but I don't know if I particularly cared for the story. And maybe it's because I don't understand where they're going with the egg. Yeah, that to me is probably the least Star Wars part of it. They're like, we need to stretch this out. (laughs) What's he going after? (laughs) Something weird that won't matter. What device? (laughs) I do like um, they have Leia in here and she, you know, they have her drawn. She's obviously older, but I think they did a really good job of, of capturing her. And I read every line in Carrie Fisher's voice. Yes. So I do appreciate it for that. Uh, the little story at the end was cute. I love that little backup story. Oh my god, that was so cute. It's um, Calvin and Hobbes style. Yes. The art. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god, that's so cute. And you could, and of course, BB-8 is the star of this yet again. <laughs> now that you mention it, it is so, so Calvin and Hobbes. Like, if it had said art it by is. Bill oh, Watterson, we- I would have been like, yep, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I, I took a double take. I'm like, who did this? Because it looks exactly like that. And then there's a, there's another artist who's been doing Jordi Belair. Yeah, there's another artist who's been doing Calvin and Hobbes style. Is it is it Brian Kessinger who's doing the Calvin and Hobbes images where it was like little Kylo Ren? Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Being a jerk and but it's cute. I like. I I don't know why or who decided to come up with this Calvin and Hobbes look and feel, but it's pretty damn cute for Star Wars. Like I could see they could make kids book like kids books like this. It would be really darn cute. School golden books. Mm-hmm. They have like where they tell the Star Wars tales, and I just got the Empire Strikes Back one, and the artwork is freaking adorable. Little tauntauns <laughs> and stuff running around. It's oh, it's so oh, cute. Def. I think I thought the the last one was really cute. I was like, it's just a little love story, and BB just wants everyone to be happy. Um, so I, I mean, I I did like it. I'm glad that we're getting some stuff. I don't know. I did to me, it didn't have the feel of the character as much. I I will say this is probably one of the best prequel stories i've read but did you feel that you understood poe more uh i didn't feel like i didn't understand him to begin with i understand more of his you know just more swashbuckling mm, yeah. you know roguishness but i don't know i just didn't feel like it trans like i felt like he's more charming in the movies i don't know if it's yeah. really captured 
That's what I was looking for, and I didn't feel that. Because, like, when I see the actor, no offense to the actor, I'm sure other people find him really attractive, but when I first saw him, I was just kind of like, right? I was like, he's okay. But then, with, but as the movie goes <laughs> on, he grows on you because of, like, his personality. You're just like, oh, okay. Personality is what really makes the character. Yeah. And I, I didn't get that exactly from this. I didn't, but don't get me wrong, it's not that I didn't like it, I did like it. But there were certain things that I was looking for that I just didn't get. To me, it seemed totally right. Maybe I'm just being hypercritical. I, I don't think I'm staring dreamily at Poe and, you know, <laughs> missing his roguish charm or, you know. Well, Ryan, that's not geared towards you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not for me. That's okay. Not for you. I hate to tell you, that's not meant for you. It's it's rare as a, as a white guy that things are not for me, but I can accept that this... He's not for you. <laughs> Not for me. No. That's okay. Because uh, I have the Poe Pop. It's a dreamy, you know. This is the part where he's like, I'm Poe. Nice to meet you too, Finn. I was like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> he's just adorable. Yes, I wanted more of that. That's what I was looking for. I feel you. I get you, Christina. Uh, me too. Thank you. Sorry, Ryan. So what did you end up giving the book? I will, um, even though I will still give it three and a half uh, BB-8 boobies. Oh, I was going to give it three and three quarter BB-8 zappy arms. I will give it four Black Squadrons. So I think even though I don't like Poe maybe as much as you guys, I like the book more than you did. Yeah. Nah. I think we just wanted more Poe. Like maybe shirtless? I don't know. Something? Yeah. <laughs> Could he fall in a, a pit of baby oil maybe <laughs> and have to wrestle somebody perhaps? <laughs> Him and Han wrestle? I'd, I'd be down for that. So, side Star Wars question. Did you guys see the Star Wars Rogue One trailer? Yeah, I did. Oh, so Flailing good. Arms. Flailing arms. <laughs> yes, Kermit arms all over like, the place. I'm super excited. Like, I was really bummed. I really wanted them to hire uh, Tatiana from Orphan Black, who they originally said they was going to play that part, more than yeah. um, Felicity. But I'm still excited for it. I'm still going to see it. It still looks really good. I just wished it, wished it would have been the other actress. It looks awesome. The blind Asian guy beating the crap out of people with sticks, that was a touchdown. <laughs> that was my favorite. Pretty good. The Imperial Guard, which is also one of my favorite costumes. Yes. I love the red, all the red. Drapey yeah, Luxurious was, Red. The Drapey Luxurious Red. And seeing the original Stormtroopers yes. was very satisfying. Not that I don't like the new ones, but it was just, it's very satisfying. And the Death Star and the Adats. <laughs> Yes, the ad-ads for me, I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> we have some uh, Avengers standoff ones. We're not going to do uh, full reviews for, for these ones. But I have standoff, the Uncanny Avengers number 8, Marvel Comics, Gary Duggan, Ryan Stegma. Is that right? Oh, okay. Anyways, Stegman. Stegman. Oh, there's an N there. Yeah, Stegman. Sorry. <laughs> Rogue saves today. Rogue takes Xavier teachings, figures out how that she had something in her mind to let her know when she's being mind uh, woogied. And she breaks out. And then she reminds everyone that they are who they are. Starting with Kat setting uh, Johnny Storm on fire. Yay! And so they all start coming through and, they, and helping one, one another realize who they are. And just as they're starting to assemble, creepy girl who puts them all under power shows up and's like, "Oh no, you're awake! I'm gonna put you back to sleep." Kobik, Kobik, yes, Kobik, that's the name, and puts them back to sleep or is trying to, but that's when it ends. So we don't know if she did or she does not. But yeah, them all waking up is pretty funny. Finding out who they were and what they looked like, just pretty cool. 
because I like Rogue, um, I give it a three. <laughs> I'm about a three there too. It was in, the story was interesting enough, but eh. I I really liked it. Um, I think that the it's neat to see the characterizations of the people before they turn back and like have that kind of like guessing like yeah. you know, who are these people or you know what's like the core of their character. You know, I liked the vision cutting himself to, to try and feel something while he was playing the piano too perfectly. So I gave it a three and a half Lego pieces. So, uh, Christina, I, I gave you uh, New Avengers for a reason. I know you did. <laughs> oh, my God. You? The freaking Godzilla USA. All he says is USA. <laughs> American Kaiju. Holy shit. I so this is so hilariously silly. I love it. I mean, it's not good in any way. I could care less about anything else other than the <laughs> kaiju and the mecha. Like, I don't care about the story. I don't care about anything that. But the freaking... I mean, it's obviously the... the I mean, they show you what happens with the kaiju. It's like... It's a—it's uh, Captain America gone wrong, basically. They super serum a dude who turns into a freaking monster. I How, how did that happen? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> You think they would just stop with the super soldier serum? Like, it's never going to work. You're just going to make monsters. That's all you're going to (laughs) do. But I love it because they, with the panel, where they actually show him, like, full with the USA, they're all like, the American kaiju, your tax dollars at work. That was freaking hilarious. I was like, that's awesome. I love that. But yeah, so we Mm -hmm. have the kaiju, and then we have the mechabot, and... (laughs) Avenger 5, yes, it's a giant robot. (laughs) That's all I needed. That was all I needed. Yep, that was it. Done. There was punching. There was more USAs. Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool. I could have used more of the punching and the robots and less of the other people because I don't really care about uh, any. I, of I like Sunspot. Defenders. I like you know. There's the whole stuff with like the person who's doing the the double. T- uh, I'll give it um three and a half giant kaiju USAs. I couldn't help it. I had to give it fine uh, three since you took you three uh, forehead flags. I will give it four old school arcade games. That was funny. The arcade game that it was him. That was kind of funny. Yeah. The book is funny. I, I w- had not read New Avengers until Avengers Standoff, basically. And it's. I, I like it. I like it more than I thought I would. So we also had the continuing uh, Apocalypse Wars. But this is another. Apo- so each, each book in the Apocalypse War series is isn't they're not related to each other they're all just like thematically tied to apocalypse so again basically same thing with this one we're gonna do christina you get to do the honors i didn't like it so i did i did appreciate the artwork the artwork comment like i like the artwork the artwork was really cool i just could care less about i these are like not i don't i don't particularly care for psylocke i know everyone likes her because she's hot but i just i don't care don't care. The only funny panel was at the end with Archangel. That was the only thing I actually liked. Was the last panel where they find him, and that's Archangel, right? Yeah, when they find him, like, be, hel- holding this like religious ceremony with. I guess it looks like he's ripped off his wings. Yeah, he's like cut them off. That was that's when he went from being angel to Archangel. Because if Dogma tells me anything, that means he's human now. So that was what, Uncanny X Men number six. Colin Bunn, who actually, he's a good writer. I don't know why I don't like this. I just, I don't think I like the characters at all. Um, and Paco Medina is the artist. I don't, don't, don't give me these. I don't like them. 
I'm not going to say nice things about them. There was a lot of like fighting and stuff in the sewers, and that was kind of cool. Yeah, there was like yeah. neat like like fighting sequences and panels and things like that. And the art was really pretty, but I was just like, but I don't, I just didn't feel invested. I feel like okay, I'm, I'm just kinda... yeah. I I get what you're saying. Like, I don't feel like there's a character you're supposed to identify with. They're all kind of, I don't know. I just I don't I don't like any of them. I was like, that looks like Domino. She's got an eye patch. I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, she's a Morlock. Uh, <laughs> I will rate it solely on the art. And I will give it to Storm Mohawks. And I did find it funny that De- that Deadpool was in there eating popcorn. I gave it two and a half uh, pretty feather drawings. I will give it three Morlock tunnels. Which leads me to a book that I was not particularly crazy about. So we have um, Spider Women, which is a new a new event going through all of the Spider Women books. So you've got Spider Woman, Silk, and Spider Gwen. Yeah, so this is Spider-Women Alpha number one from Marvel Comics, written by Jason Latour, Dennis Hopeless, mm. and Robbie Thompson, who are the writers of each of the three books. And the art is by Vanessa Del Rey. I was so looking forward to this, and I was very much not crazy about it. I even went back and read it twice, thinking I must have not gotten it the first time around. Uh, the second time made the story a little clearer to me, but I didn't particularly like it anymore. Um, it feels kind of muddled. I also don't like that the characters dislike each other. I, I don't. I don't appreciate the tension between uh, Gwen Stacy and Cindy Moon. I mean, I understand why they're doing it for like the tension and then the dramatic arc and all that. But I don't like when characters dislike each other. The whole idea that you know Cindy put their lives in danger. They're superheroes. Their lives are constantly in danger. So I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, I read the whole Spider Verse uh, series, and I don't think Cindy was, you know, a huge liability in that. But they treat her like a child, which she's not really a child. But I mean, yes, she was locked away, but they don't treat her like a child. So what this reminded me of: Have you ever watched Girls, the show? You know, they're like bitchy and angry and right. yelling at each other and constantly in. That that's what this reminded me of was Girls, a lot. I didn't like I didn't like the the relation the interaction between the three of them. I don't like to see three characters that I like dislike each other for no real good reason. There were some funny things in here, like the clown. Clown world was pretty awesome. It takes a lot to get me to want to go to a place with hundreds of clowns in it, but it also has deep fried peanut butter cups that you can dip in butter. Mm. I'm sorry, the artwork was nasty. It looked old and dirty to me. It looked so gross. Yes, I did not like the artwork at all. And it doesn't fit any of the styles of the books, you know? I The artwork, yeah, I I couldn't get past the artwork. I was just kept on, like, every time I flip a page, I just, like, roll my eyes at it and try to follow. Uh, I will give it a three Stark Bucks cups of coffee. I did like that. I thought that was pretty funny. Where she's, like, buying all the, buying all the stuff. She's like, oh, my God, I got to buy all of this. That was funny. I enjoyed it. I, that that part. There was there were parts of it that were funny and that were really like silly and kind of fun, but overall. So those are the books we read this week. To check out our weekly pull lists and other nerd shenanigans, check, go check out fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page, Four Color Nerds. You can follow us on Twitter or on Instagram. You can find the podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, 
and on Podcast Addict. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds.